Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We drink tequila. We talk. Welcome to Team Tequila Talks. Talk, talk, talk. Okay, great. We're going to get started. Okay, we start off every Team Tequila Talks with a cheers. 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 Oh, you guys look nice and bright orange. I almost put ours in a wine glass because it's kind of like mimosa morning but i'm kind of limited with barware because i'm in a hotel so i just decided to go with the sort of traditional margarita glass but i did put a little extra in case we in case we need to top off so we are drinking a morning margarita which we're going to get into in just one second but first your host cassandra jean bell and sharon gonzalez and our special vancouver guest reminder hair and uh, she is known as the rkh which you can find her on instagram of course because who can't you find on instagram these days (laughs) but we are excited to welcome her she's going to teach us about all things energy you've heard about it i'm so excited about it (laughs) so excited very excited she's got her list she's got her questions (laughs) i love answering questions (laughs) so we are drinking our morning margarita because it is in fact morning time i mean almost not we're we're rapidly approaching afternoon in the next few minutes uh as as per the timing of this recording uh but we decided to do a breakfast margarita because we are in the earlier part of the day. It's a Saturday. We normally are like more in the happy hour time during the week, right. but we just decided to go with this because here I am in Vancouver for the weekend and it seemed appropriate to have a Vancouver guest. <laughs> so we're doing a morning margarita. What's a morning margarita or a breakfast margarita, if you will? Well, you've heard of a mimosa and you've heard of a Bloody Mary or given that I'm in Vancouver, I will say a Caesar. Sherry, you know the difference between a Bloody Mary and a Caesar? I do not, actually, but I love Caesars more than I love Bloody Marys because they're spicier to me. They're saltier, too. There's flavor. It's the flavor. (laughs) Well, so that's the thing is I actually find both Bloody Marys and Caesars to be a little bit like drinking ketchup. But I don't like raw tomatoes. So it makes sense that I am out on a Bloody Mary because I don't even like raw tomatoes in a salad. I can only eat tomatoes Um. if they're cooked. So it's it's just not for me. Uh, so I am always the type of person that is gravitating toward the mimosa. If it's a weekend, we're on vacation, I want a little morning something, something. It's usually mimosa. Unless I go somewhere like to a brunch where there's a full bar, then hit me with the breakfast mark. Yes. So what is a breakfast mark? It is, in this instance, there are a few different variations. But I think the bottom line is that there is, it's an orange juice base. And I know we just did an orange mezcal Rita in our last episode, coincidentally. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we did cover a lot of the orange juice benefits. And we're just going to translate those a bit from immune system and kind of prevention and recovery from being sick to maybe a little bit of recovery from a hard night out the night Mm -hmm. before, which doesn't happen to us that often anymore. Because I no. feel like we, we're drinking smarter these days. Yeah, and we hydrate. And, you know, I had a few margaritas last night, a few mezcals on the rocks, but also had a lots of water. I ate, like, I'm not trying to wake up with no hangover, but this is excellent if you have to wake up or you forgot or you had too much fun and forgot to drink and hydrate in between drinks. This is probably a best option for hair, hair, hair on the dog, hair off the dog. Hair, hair of the dog. dog. Yeah, hair of the dog. Hair, hair of, of the, the dog. dog. This so, is perfect hair of the dog drink. 
This has, it is orange juice based. We don't have any sweet and sour. I like to keep it super clean. I, of course, got fresh squeezed orange juice. Again, the benefits of that are that you don't lose the nutrients. And orange juice is chock full of vitamin C, a bunch of B-complex vitamins, and potassium, which is an electrolyte. So if you are waking up in the morning, you've heard, oh, you got to drink coconut water to fight that dehydration. Orange juice is actually going to do it too. As long as you are getting whole orange juice, freshly squeezed, keeping it nice and fresh and clean and whole food, then it kind of negates the sugar that's in there. And if you are squeezing it yourself and you even have some of that pulp in there, you're getting a little bit of fiber too, which is going to get your stomach waking up and moving as opposed to just dousing it with sugar and shooting your blood sugar through the roof when frankly, depending on what you were drinking the night before, your blood sugar and your glucose might be a little unstable anyway Mm -hmm. because you decided to have the cheap Chardonnay at the open bar. Damn. So- Guilty. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens. If you for if you forwent, foregoed, forego, forwent, I think is the past tense. If you forwent my advice on a shitty wedding margarita and you ended up oh. drinking the crap at the open bar, you might be feeling some kind of way the next day. Damn. Yeah. So we also added no some lemon in there because it never hurts to double up on citrus. There is a hint of cayenne pepper. So why cayenne pepper first in the morning? And you know I don't love super spicy in the morning. I mean, you I guys love- are okay with it with your Caesars, right? I love um, super. I even put some cayenne awesome. pepper on my orange because I'm going to let yeah. that set in and then I'm going to suck it off because mm-hmm. I love spice. And you can't see in my drink, but there's a lot of cayenne floating. I almost coughed right now because I was like, oh, shit, I put too much. So I only put a tiny pinch, but I left some more on the table in case, you know, in case things progress that way, because I'm not huge into spicy. I would say especially in the morning. Um, if that's like the, if that's the first thing that I'm putting in, I need, I kind of need to ease into a spicy beverage. I don't mind right. spicy food, but there's something about the liquid form of spice that I'm kind of eh on unless it's subtle. And because sometimes people will drink something to ease the spice of the food and then you're like doubling up on the spice. <laughs> Right. It's a lot. It's true. A lot for breakfast. It's true. A lot for breakfast. But cayenne pepper does have a lot of benefits to it, including digestion. It can bump up your metabolism. So you can really get your metabolism and digestive system going for the day. It's going to reduce inflammation and it can actually help. Back in the day, they used cayenne pepper as a form of painkiller. So if your head's hurting, your stomach's hurting, cayenne pepper can help with that. If you're having any congestion, because alcohol can be very inflammatory, there have been days where if you overdo drinking, that, or if I've overdone drinking back in the day, I will wake up and feel kind of stuffy. And it's just because you are inflamed. Maybe you are out in a confined space with a lot of people, depending on the setting that you were in. And so the cayenne pepper is also going to help really clear things up, your eyes, your nose, and really just sort of put some pep into your face for the day so you can bounce back a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And we have one of our all-time favorites, our antioxidant and cancer preventing. Ginger. Ginger, ginger is like first of all, the name of ginger because reminds me of ginger from like remember that show the three the, on the island. Remember ginger on Gilligan's the island? island, Gilligan's Island. And you think of ginger, you think of her because she was like all like fabulous and kind of luxurious. And when you think of ginger, it's like the anti everything, antioxidant, anti inflammatory, anti nausea. It really sets you together. It's been shown to improve appetite and chemotherapy patients. I mean, ginger even for your for gut health. Now it's interesting you said they used to they used to do it years, decades ago, a hundred years ago for weight management. And I was always like, 
if you eat too much spice, it also upsets your stomach, which I guess back then in the 1800s, maybe you don't want to eat on an upset stomach because too much of, because it's hot. I don't know if you ever had like just chewed on ginger before or mm-hmm. t- oh, yeah. took a ginger shot to and yeah. your nose, your eyes, and, and if it sits on an empty, empty stomach, you're not eating anything. So, so weight it's management- interesting that you say that, the ginger shot, because I was told in the early days of my nutrition experimentation and philosophy, so I'm talking like my early 20s here, I remember hearing how beneficial ginger is and juicing ginger. And they always said, if you are really feeling a hangover or stomach issue, take a shot of ginger Mm -hmm. and it's really going to help settle the stomach. Except for, you know, I didn't really look at the dosing so much. So I'm sitting here (laughs) juicing it, taking like two ounces of ginger and wondering why my insides are on fire. So moderation, moderation, (laughs) and maybe mix the ginger with like some coconut water or something to dilute it, which I learned the hard way. Uh, I remember my brother came to visit me when I was like, you know, 20 or early 20s. I go, yeah, you you should just take some ginger because it's, it's good for you. And he had really gone out hard the night before and was so nauseous and I gave him the ginger and it came right back up. Oh yeah. And I said, well, at least it worked one way or another, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I think he was past the point of Detail. no return anyway. It just helped him. See, weight management. Little weight management. That's what it's known for. I don't know. I feel like ginger for me, if I mix it with like apple cider vinegar and just get yeah. it done with like a little coconut water, you can yeah. really set yourself up for a pretty good day. Um, I will say ginger and cayenne together probably is going to give you the poops in large amounts Ooh, because nobody wants cayenne. That. Well, spicy food mm-hmm. is a diuretic like naturally and cayenne is naturally and ginger mm-hmm. also is like in that diuretic like lane too. So I do think this morning mimosa is probably going to set you up for your poos for the day. And it's also going to give you all the anti thing. Yeah. It, look, who doesn't like to be regular? You've never met a person who's, oh God. <laughs> well, I enter the fiber regular. in the OJ. See, that's <laughs> another reason why you want to squeeze it yourself or get it freshly squeezed. Very true. Very true. Uh, well, and also, let's not forget about the ginger. We want there to actually be ginger in what you're drinking. So just a ginger-flavored syrup or a, like mm-hmm. a or a grocery store brand ginger ale is not going to cut it. I mean, yep. even I think you used real ginger, but there's a bunch of ginger flavored syrups, but they don't actually yes. have ginger in them. And then it's just really no. sugar. Yeah. So yeah. you want to make sure that you're getting a ginger ale or a ginger beer, as we have done here, that has mm-hmm. actual real ginger, ginger extract in it. Yeah. And you yeah. use ginger and you you made a syrup. So I bet yours. I made a syrup. It's actually okay. I made a big batch of it. Um for later on today, I'm going to someone's birthday party. And I thought, let me. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were saving it for when I got back. No. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say. I'll save you a little bit. I'll save you a little bit. But um, it's actually really, really nice. And I use this sweetener that um, I've never. I saw. I was in the grocery store and I was like, "What the heck is this?" And it was like for your lung health. It was like it's made with like a little bit of monk monk fruit in it, but it's mm. actually for like lung health and all types of things. It's called Ooh. a sweet fruit drops from Dragon Hearts. And I thought because we were doing a little bit of this like energy stuff and I was like, "Ooh, dragon." And the company is I have very a dragon in- tattoo literally on me. That. It's made with Luhan Gua. Luhan Gua. What the hell is that? It helps to moisten the lungs and builds a strong immunity. So I thought well, I'm down with COVID, this. Lungs, immunity. I think all of these are very important things. And yeah. that's what I use to sweeten the water and the ginger with. It's water, ginger, and instead of agave or honey, I use these drops. 
and I let it come to a boil, simmer down, put it in a jar, chopped up a full root of ginger, put it in a jar, put it in the fridge. It is delicious. You can actually probably put yeah. it with tea or put yeah. it even, I thought maybe with a champagne, tequila, mimosa, drop that on top, but it's potent. So you don't need a ton of it in your drink. So we're going to have to experiment with that a little bit more. I wonder how it's going to carry over. I'm a big fan of monk fruit. I know that a lot of people are not huge into stevia, especially plain, because they think it has kind of a, an earthy After. taste to yeah. it. I'm, I don't taste, taste that. Me neither. Sometimes. But I also love cilantro, and some oh, people yum. think it tastes like dish soap. So yeah, I guess to each their own. But oh, I feel like monk fruit is a bit uh, more mild and yeah. is a better sugar substitute for people that might not be into the stevia of it all. Yeah, it's actually pretty tasty. So I'm excited about this. And the ginger, like mm -hmm. I made it like it's kind of like candied into the mixture. So when you chew on mm. it, it's kind of got a candy flavor to it, which yeah, I'm into. I mean, they make those ginger lozenges that you can chew yep. on. I feel like, like those... the anti-nausea. Yeah, stuff. yeah. So anti-nausea. And just the cayenne and the ginger together are going to just help with all of the digestion <laughs> issues. I promise I'm not that far into this margarita. I was about to say, how many have you had? Ooh, girl? Girl. Oh, yeah, we're working on one. She had the bottle to her mouth when <laughs> yes. I walked in. <laughs> Damn. Oh, hey, you're here? <laughs> Reminder, where are you at on your tequila journey? Any answer is acceptable. Yeah, I love tequila. Um, I'm a big gin drinker, like craft gin, um, really potent gin, gin on the rock sort of vibe well usually gin with water but i love gin i do also love tequila so i am more into trying like the higher end tequilas or different tequilas haven't totally gone on the mezcal route though i love it like when i went to mexico i did a full-on tequila tour with different mezcals and they explained everything and what's funny is they give you like the shittiest version which they're at the the tour or the distillery is not bad <laughs> right um, fresh. like fresh it's fresh, fresh. so they give you like one, two, three, four from like what they think is shitty mezcal to like the top of the line. And so you can really tell in those scenarios, even though by the fourth, you're like, I'm going to die. And then you, <laughs> you feel how like smooth it is. And you're like, that was actually really good. Um, So I, I now enjoy just drinking more premium top of the line tequila, whether it's, you know, what top of the line Don Julio or, or That's whatever. what we're drinking today. Actually, yeah, I don't know if you saw that. that. Um, and, and actually fun tip. I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the show, but I was at Honey Salt, which is in Vancouver here, right under the Park Casino. And we were having shots of Don Julio. And the guy brought out orange slices with cinnamon on top saying, you're not allowed to drink it with <laughs> with lime. He's like, don't ever order it with lime. That's true. And I was like, oh. And so when you, um, sure, you had the, the cayenne on the orange slice, it reminded me of that. And that's how I've been drinking the tequila now. Um, and I I really enjoy it. So it's not that I know my different, like the different tequilas, like I would know different gins, but I could definitely taste the difference and, and know what I want to drink. Like I'm not going to be sure. the 19 year old going and get the, getting the Jose Mickey from the back of the pill, <laughs> right? Like that's just not, I'm not going to be okay with that no, unless it's like completely no. mixed with something. But even in that Even case, then that's hangover that, city the next day. Yeah, you I, can have all the ginger you want in the world. Yeah. It might help, but it's not going to erase yeah. what you drank the night no. before. Yeah. No. So I- I enjoy a good tequila. And if I'm going to do a shot of it, and at least I'm making that call, sure. it'll be it'll be something similar to this. 
Well, we welcome everybody mm-hmm. anywhere they are on their journey. Even if you're journey. Jose, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. And then we will educate you and yes. we will have you take a couple steps in the right direction because there are some good craft tequilas out there that mm-hmm. are in a similar price range because they're small businesses. Yes, they're exactly. new on the market. Yeah. Yeah. And you just got to take the time to go mm-hmm. and do you know do a little bit of research and your body will thank you the next day. Like I like right. Casadores, so- for example. Casadores is good. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a standard like... It's like not well. Is like monster. a well? Is that a, like a well tequila? Yeah, no? Casadores. Yeah, Casadores yeah. is. It's usually a call. Okay, I think. And so it's okay. like a step above. Yeah, but it is like okay. it is. It's it's pretty versatile. It's pretty approachable, mm-hmm. and it uh, that is one of the bigger tequila brands. But it is absolutely something that is. I just want a margarita. I just I'm just gonna have a drink with my friends, and I'm just gonna have a quick one. And that is that's an excellent choice because you're still getting the nicer batch of tequila. Mm-hmm. You're not doing going down the mixto route where it's cut with sugar right. water, but at right. the same time, you're not breaking the bank. So that's yeah. I mean that's a great happy hour tequila. I think so, too. So, reminder, in case you guys haven't checked her out, which you should have paused it and gone to her Instagram page <laughs> when I mentioned it at the top of the episode. But Reminder is a, an energy worker, an activist. She is a lawyer. She is a just all around dedicated to elevating the Earth's consciousness, I guess, and spirituality. And she's kind of helping people step into the light a little bit in terms of awareness and we are going to, I mean, we're going to go down the rabbit hole with this one, but I feel <laughs> like the best way to start is there are people out there that have heard of energy and energy work, but they're not entirely sure what it is. Mm-hmm. So give us the log line. Give us the pitch. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So as Cassandra said, I'm <clears throat> a lawyer, also an energy healer, and I'm non-practicing at the the moment. So I say lawyer turned spiritual healer, but it's not something, let's say I chose, it was something A, I was chosen for and I've done in many lifetimes. It's something that I I came to while I was practicing law about, well, I mean, I, I was practicing still this year of 2022, but I, I started on this awakening and I had no idea what was occurring. And so let's say the catalyst in me really learning about these things for myself was starting to study my intuition, my gut response to things, um, and and really unpacking that. And that ended up opening up my healing and psychic abilities before I had a real catalyst in meeting like my twin flame um, in, in this lifetime, which is like your kind of like your soul counterpart and mirror in, in triggering you and your energetic healing. And that's not always a romantic. Yeah. Because I feel like right. the 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 idea of a twin flame most people see that and they think oh soulmate like like yeah, romantic no, soulmate it's not i was and just that- about to ask you is it a friend is it like a per like sometimes twin flame mentor like some or even um i forget the fashion designer he had like a spiritual and it was like alexander mcqueen said like he had like a spiritual angel sometimes that he called his twin flame that would sneak into his brain at night and give him like design stuff have you ever heard about that heard him say that no and i mean that's just your higher self and so for the for twin flames, like true twin flames that know their twin flames and have met their counterpart or know that they're going to um, counterpart, like I said, doesn't have to be. Well, it ends up being a romantic connection, but that 3D manifestation of a relationship is never guaranteed. That's the hard part of the dynamic is you're meant to detach from that outcome, whereas in a soulmate relationship or a karmic scenario, which 
We've all been in those toxic relationships, right? Mm. Those we know what the outcome is. You can't control the outcome of a twin flame dynamic. That's why it's so difficult, right? No matter how much work you put in, because if your counterpart is not willing to put in the work to heal themselves, you can't be at the same frequency. And so a lot of Hollywood has glamorized the term like Megan Fox, Machine Gun Kelly, for example. Um, I was just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. It's not true, right? And so it's it's like we would know if they were based on where they're at in their healing journey. And you can outwardly see that it, it's if they're not, not there. If they're not there. It's not real. Or Paris Hilton, for example, has used that term. And so it, it's a lot different. Like the amount of pain you go through is literally like worse than me facing my grandfather's death and like things like that. You know, it, it, it was a lot, but it ended up teaching me a lot about myself and mm-hmm. my healing and pushed me to my purpose, which is a lot of what I, I teach my clients about and, and what I read on and understanding the purpose of the world as well as myself, because I needed that, right? I needed that interaction. I needed to shed my ego or feel these certain emotions to find that level of myself. And there's only about like not even 200,000 of us on the planet. Well, wow. As a twin flame, just to shed a little bit more light on this terminology, mm-hmm. you know, we, we immediately associate it if you're not super familiar with with a soulmate, as I mentioned before, but you might have hiccups where it's maybe somebody who doesn't have the same gender or sexual identity. It could yeah, be somebody that, that lives in a remote location on the other side of the world. Yep. It could mm-hmm. be somebody that is already in a, a family and might love them dearly, but be in a different place in terms 100%. of awakening and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And th- there are obstacles in this world that might prevent you from being with that person in a romantic way. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have a spiritual connection and that you are that you are meant to evolve with them. I mean, I kind of look at it as a spiritual best friend. And whether that manifests yeah. in a romantical r- romantic way, it's mm-hmm. sort of like a like a mission partner, right? Like you look mm-hmm. you look at people in cop shows and they're you, yeah. you know yeah. they're, they're detectives totally. and they've got their partner and they're on this mission and they're trying to solve the murder. They're trying to figure it all out, but they do it together. Mm-hmm. To me, that's more what a twin flame yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And my friend had once said to me, um that she didn't know, like, I don't really watch Star Wars, but she's like, I didn't know that existed in the real world, like that sort of dynamic. And, and like you said, it could, there could be so many obstacles. And the thing is, it's always possible to have the manifestation of a 3D relationship. But the thing is, we all have ego, we're all 3D people. So your free will comes in the way of the boundaries you're willing to set the changes you're willing to make, and the happiness that you're willing to really have for yourself, even though the interim may be really painful. And so I was going through, well, meeting him at that point, and then all these catalysts and, and changes while I was practicing law. <laughs> and so eventually, my, my mind was just like, what the am I doing? <laughs> I was like, preparing for a trial with um, a couple of lawyers at, at the firm that I was at at that point. And naturally, because your frequency is like going like a roller coaster, and you're trying to figure things out, your work ends up slipping a little bit or your priorities are just different because your mind is elsewhere. Yeah. I remember your like heart when I, is elsewhere. Yeah, your spirit yeah. is elsewhere, but and you I, still have to get a yeah. paycheck and pay your rent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it was really that, that polarity. And that's, that's the thing with the, the dynamic is you have an energetic polarity where one carries more of the masculine energy. One carries more of the feminine and there are gay people that are twin flames. There are lesbians that are twin flames. Right. But right. you're going to naturally see that they carry a, spe- a specific, um, dominant energy 
right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what you're meant to heal and bring into balance for yourself. But overall, when it comes to your spiritual growth and understanding, it's important to bring that harmony of understanding your own masculine energy, your own feminine energy, as well as your divine versus distortion. So the distortion is more of like, where are you needy or codependent or negative um, or lacking your value of self and boundary, whereas your divine side is understanding those boundaries, taking authentic action, allowing yourself to put yourself first, being receptive, surrendering, being, you know, in touch with the divine. And so those voices in your head or, you know, your spirit guides or your higher self, it's, you know, at the end of the night, what you're hearing, like you said, the, the, the designer thoughts are your higher self giving the inspiration of what to do. And it's up to us to actually bring that onto the earthly plane Mm -hmm. and make the difficult changes. And so I coach my clients through a lot of making those changes, understanding, like I do um, human design readings. So understanding your human design, which is like a soul blueprint, essentially. Oh, okay. Oh, I can't wait to get into so that. I will human- say really quickly mm-hmm. that I love the term higher self because regardless of what religion you grew up with or that you mm-hmm. were maybe conditioned mm-hmm. to be a part of or what church, synagogue, mosque, temple, mm-hmm. whatever we're all really talking about the same thing, exactly. right? Yeah. It's just, it's just language, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're using man-made words to describe the same thing, but yeah. possibly a little bit differently. And mm-hmm. we're still talking about how everybody can be as connected as they want to the greater universe yeah. and the greater collective. And right. any religion will teach you that too. Because well, even yeah. you look at, I, I mean, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. So, I mean, Southern Baptist is, is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And what they even tell you then is that everybody's capable of talking to God and God will talk to you. And and yeah. that's all this is, is basically. basically saying that you are allowed to ask for help. You can communicate. And if you're mm-hmm. willing to listen, you will be communicated with. And so the the language is the only thing that really differentiates the fact that there is a a higher power, a universe, a collective, a higher self, whatever you want Mm -hmm. to call it, we're still talking about the same thing. We are all God in the way that we connect, right? What gets in the way is the indoctrination or harsh ideology that is that we all know is put on top of this, right? At the end of the day, we see things, sovereignty, freedom, understanding, community. Yeah. Right. Everybody else's own ego and, and thoughts gets in the way. And so mm-hmm. what we're really in the middle of right now is the unpacking of all of that. That's why we see the world as a 3D shitstorm in terms of right. people's belief systems. Right. right? To well, a lot of. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of times belief systems, higher self. I know I was raised in the Christian church and under that ideology and you know, I, it wasn't until I was older, like out of college. And I realized that you know, going into a church every day wasn't necessarily like the keys to the kingdom for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and starting to meditate, take time, prayer, whatever you want to call it. And then you get like doors open kind of mentally where you get a little more freer. You're not so like condemnation, like you can't yes. do this. You, you know, it's more of a choice. You can do it, but like, it's more of like what choice you feel. I do think that the higher self, a spiritual journey, um, a twin flame and or a soulmate. I do think, I don't know if you can have good relationships with your friends and family even and so, and your partners if there isn't some sort of spiritual connection. And that's just me. 
I would not be with my husband if we did not have a spiritual connection. Yeah. I think when I was dating in my 20s, I looked for that. That was like kind of an, and my, my roommate at the time was like, that's a really crazy thing. Like to just have to have a deeper connection. Like, why don't you let it grow? And I was like, because what I'm looking for is more of an instant, like, not like a like, it's more of an instant, like, I feel you, like yeah. I can feel you. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of times people are like, but feelings lead you astray, which I also think sometimes our feelings, if it's rooted in ego, sometimes can put us down a rabbit hole of just untruth. Like, yeah, you right. don't know, like, I feel this way and I'm going to marry this feeling and now I'm going to think it down to make it real true. Yeah. And so, you know, I know feelings can be betrayal, but I do look for that spiritual connection, even in friendships. I mean, yeah. family, you can't, you know, you really can't help who your family is, but. <laughs> it's also so interesting too, that when you make new connections as friends, like you start running into people. And mm-hmm. so we we live in a city in Los Angeles where there's 7 million people. And I even remember when Sherry and I were first hanging out, I was at, at, at a, a random restaurant with some of my friends and she's sitting at the restaurant having lunch with her husband. It's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> is it the universe? Just, yeah. The universe yeah. is like, all right, today is the day that you're going to choose to make a resume here. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's just one of those things that really shows energy and your frequency impact your reality. We are in Vancouver right now because we had such a strong energy imprint here for almost a decade. We built relationships here. We have mm-hmm. nostalgia here and mm-hmm. it drew us back to come for a weekend. Mm-hmm. So whether you believe in energy or frequency or not it's happening so yeah. you don't have to you you yeah. don't have to go in and say oh i just i'm going to create every element because you'll lose your mind doing that yeah it can be really really tough to try to control everything around you but what yeah. you can know is that the more you pay attention to something the more you invest in something whether it's positive or negative it's going to come back around because that's just that's just the laws it's metaphysical laws and now they are the science is really proving that you have a bunch mm-hmm. of metaphysicists that are proving that emotions have different frequency they're oh, yeah. Looking people up to machines, yeah. showing them a picture of their kids and then showing them a picture of a murder scene and their, their, their frequency, their brain waves, their heart, yeah. your heart's electricity, it all changes. And now we just have the technology to measure it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't believe right. it, that's okay. But understand that it's happening anyway. Yeah. Ancient Egyptology. I mean, when you watch those documentaries and you look There's at the, the pyramids- word you just made up for the episode, Egyptology. Egyptology. It's a that's real not a word, girl. No, Sherry always makes up a word every episode. It's something. Egyptology. Egyptology. Cassandra, like the Egyptian study. History. The study of the language, history, and civilization of ancient Egypt. This is the website. You just no, the, made that up. New, new <laughs> Oxford. Oh, they're the website. It's a new, new Oxford Are American Dictionary. Are you on Urban Dictionary? dictionary. <laughs> oh new God, Oxford so American funny. Dictionary. Egyptology. I don't know. It's a thing. I don't know. That might be slang. That might be slang. That's so no. funny. They studied those pyramids that, you know, they just, you know, like what, 10 years ago found out that the ridges on the inside, if you blow like a sound through it, it vibrates and they would sit at the bottom of that and heal from different sicknesses. And it's yep. literally like frequencies, like body frequencies. And, you know, I, I do think, you know, kinetically, you know, when you like someone, you get like the feels, you know, you get all like mm-hmm. butterfly. I do think that's a thing. I don't think that's you're oh, just like you is. making it up and like trying to make a connection. I do think it's a real kinetic well, yeah, force. It's just there. Yeah. Talk to us about human design because there are different types of not that you're pre-programmed because you you do have free will. 
but you basically have a soul contract coming into this world and you've seen human design, maybe on the internet, maybe in a magazine, maybe you've heard some celebrities talk about it. Maybe you follow someone on Instagram and it's popped up. Maybe you follow me on Instagram and it's popped up (laughs) because I post this, I post this stuff all the time, but there's basically a blueprint and you're going to explain this better than I am. Sure. Well, one thing I want to touch on the soul contract. So the Sherry, the feeling that you were feeling, let's say growing up or finding your husband now is that soul resonance, right? And so you're in a part of like this, or you are in the sector of individuals on this planet that understand that there is something more, right? You've had incarnations to be at that level in frequency. We carry that energy from our first life and incarnation onwards um, where we can feel that. I actually had that feeling as well. I'm, I'm divorced and I don't think he'll listen to this and we're friends. But it's like, <laughs> I always had this feeling of more. And then when I met my twin, I realized what it was, right? And so we have these relationships from past lives that are meant to manifest again. And so you were looking for that feeling of resonance. We're meant to fulfill those specific contracts. People that are really more dominantly based in ego or science versus anything or logic or rationality are kind of in like their first incarnations of life. So it doesn't matter how old they are. It's it's the knowledge that they're carrying over. And some of them may be in their first life where they or second life, right? Where they don't really have much of that energy to to understand. And so even though we don't know exactly what it is, that knowledge becomes unlocked and activated. And that, that actually ties in perfectly to human design. So human design is like our soul blueprint. So I don't know who made or invented this algorithm to give you your human design chart, but I do life purpose readings for for clients. Recently, I've done a couple on uh, you know, one on Trudeau and one on our deputy prime minister. So people can understand <laughs> the ways in which they act. I don't like to do that so much. I know that there are human design leaders that will read on like celebrities and things like that. I'm not really a fan of it because I, I don't feel like that's appropriate. That's just my own, mm-hmm. my own thing, um, my own value. But I, I did it for those specific individuals. So people that think that they are X, Y, Z can understand why they're acting in the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do these readings for for clients to understand their blueprint. And so that blueprint shows us our definition, our activations, as well as our conditioning. And so things that are not colored in in a human design chart. So it looks like body anatomy. It looks like your chakra system plus it two does, more. And it's got yeah. all these lines yeah. and these numbers. And it just tells you that you're, you know, this is activated. This is deactivated. You're but what's activated? I don't seven understand. Is- Oh, like different energy. I'm going to refill. You explain. Yeah. So you, there's a couple of different aspects. So basically human design looks like a body. Okay. If you're familiar with the chakra system, the or what people have in their on chakra posters, it's like all the way down the center, but human design shows it on your body, right? So your head, your third eye, your throat, Unique to human design is your G center, which is kind of where your solar plexus is with oval on on a typical chakra system, let's say in the middle of your chest, which is your identity center. You have your ego, which is your heart space. You have your spleen, which is your instinct, your solar plexus, which is your emotion, your sacral, which is like your womb space, your, your gut, let's say, and then your root. And so human design has those nine centers where chakra system has seven. And so it's cool to explain it with with the extra two to understand, okay, am I somebody that really seeks identity or not? Am I really defined in my presence or not? Right. Do I have strong instinct or not? And the thing is we all have, you know, 
amazing things about our design and the pitfalls in our design. And so the activations can be in those centers. So are they colored in in the chart or are they not? How I specifically Mm. teach it, and I don't know if other human design readers teach it the exact same way, and especially because like I'm an intuitive psychic healer. And so some human design readers are not. And so I intuitively read somebody as I'm reading their chart, right? And so I I, see. I think I process a little bit differently. I mean, that's just natural. And so where it's not colored in, I teach that as our, well, susceptibility as well as our conditioning, right? So where are we more um, likely to have, let's say, people's thoughts or our ego or the sabotage get in the way that also is in our channels. So your channel can be a defined channel um, where it connects a couple of different gates because the lines are all connecting, you know, in Mm. between these centers. Um, And then that it also breaks down our design versus our personality. Our design is our subconscious. So I think that's an important distinguishment because basically your design is like your predisposition. Mm -hmm. We've all met people like, for example, I said, I don't like spicy in my cocktails. That's a predisposition. I'm oversimplifying Mm -hmm. here. But you've got people that are, you know, maybe don't love getting on roller coasters or are not thrill seekers. You've got people that prefer a bar over a library or vice versa. You've got introverts, Mm -hmm. you've got extroverts. Now, it doesn't mean that an introvert can't go to a bar and be social. It doesn't mean that an extrovert can't say, you know what, I'm going to pass on the social and go to the library instead. Mm -hmm. The point Mm -hmm. is, is that the human design is your predisposition. You still have your free will. If you Mm -hmm. decide that you want to take a detour or just go splinter off and do your own thing as part of your journey and your self-discovery, by all means, you still have the human free will to do that. It's just telling you what your preference tendencies and kind of the default settings are. Mm -hmm. I guess default settings is kind of a good. Yeah. 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 And like as we grow older or let's say not even necessarily older, but usually it, it works in tandem, right? Because we're, I mean, we're born conscious. What ends up happening is people's conditions and our family's preferences and ideologies end up overpowering. So that's why we're seeing a lot of really smart and conscious and awake kids is because as parents, well, your your we're parents, I'm not yet. Yeah. But I mean, I, I know I'll be the same way. It's like we're going to mm. be aware of when we're putting conditioning on our children, right? Absolutely. We'll have two questions. One statement, which is trauma and what we give our kids is our own trauma is, is mm-hmm. the transference of that is a very real thing because I'm a very scary person. Like, I don't scary like shirt. roller coasters. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't like roller coasters. I'm not a fan of like jumping out of a plane, but my daughter- kind of developed a little bit of what I have, like that's scary or that. And it's, I never told her not to. So now I'm very conscious of like, that seems fun. Do you want to do it? And she's like, do you think I can do it? Where it's like, I feel like I would have never done that as a kid at her age. And like some of the stuff she's doing right now, I'm like, and my husband's always like, just let her be. Cause that's, I mean, that's a very yes. over, that's a very simple way of how I'm not transferring a lot of my trauma. But I personally just believe that the veil is thin. Early in life, yeah. late yeah. in life, yeah. it's just that they have memories that they bring over with them. And even wow. with our, our with our our baby that we have now, sometimes I just see him locked in and smiling and just sort of reading something that looks like a wall. And yeah. I'm like, "You're talking yeah. to someone, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. You are talking You're to someone." Yeah. Yeah. And I just let him. I don't say like, "Hey, there's nothing over there to be looking at." I just let him do his thing because yeah. I think it's it's great to continue developing that spiritual connection. And the kids, they come in with the most open minds. They come in and they just have 
the full ability to be open-minded to anything. I agree with that. With the, I, I've seen, unfortunately, I've had the very weird pleasure. I have a very young, young family. So I've seen a lot and a lot of people die in our homes in our family. It's just a thing. No one gets mm-hmm. hospice in the hospital. Everyone comes home to someone's house. So I've Ooh. seen the end of life probably too much. But I will say this, what you're wow. talking about, when my grandmother was dying, my grandmother's grandma, my grandmother's mom was dying. When my granny's dad died in our house, I was like, this is before I was like 15. They all get into a state before they stop talking where they look, they lock, they call it the death stare. And they, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they lock onto a ceiling and they would not have been speaking for days. And they talk, they see their brothers, their cousins, their aunts, and they go, wow, good to see you. Is that Timmy? Everyone in my family has done it. Wow. Everyone in my family. And I remember we had a nurse. Yeah. We had a nurse with us one time and me and my sister, we were like 13 and 14 and my, my granny's mom was dying. And I'm allowed to talk about this because my sister's talked about it in a freaking paper for science before. So, and, um, um, the lady, the nurse was just very like spiritual. She was very like, you know, your grandmother's, your mother's transitioning and she's like, she's talking to her mother's mother right now because she was calling a name that I was like who is she calling and she's like that's her mother's uh, mother and she was like thank you thank you that's so nice thank you oh yes thank you yes oh pr- are we gonna pray now we're gonna pray now she oh. hadn't speaking in three days and she started to mumble what was like I guess like her lord's prayer with her great grandmother when she was like six wow. and the nurse was very like yeah that that usually happens. we don't know this is the part of science meets spiritualness like we don't know what's happening but we've seen it multiple times and so i do think new babies new spirits that come and old spirits that go Mm -hmm. there is Mm -hmm. this like i don't know yeah what was your question i cut you off because i had to interject where does trauma and you you talked about human design where does trauma live in the human design in our sacral chakra so our our womb space which is right in our pelvic area and i actually have this new program which you may have seen where i'm I have women that are struggling with infertility that are coming to energetically heal to align with conception, right? So there are many women that have naturally gone through rounds of IVF and IUIs and all these things in order to achieve that goal, which is completely reasonable and understandable because of what we see, but is not happening because of all the harbored trauma in that womb space. Well, you hear all the time about couples that try and try and try, and it just doesn't work. And they get to the point where they're super distraught and they more or less just give up and resign to the fact that it's not going to work. And then they go adopt a kid and then they're pregnant two months later. They've released all resistance They've released the resistance. Yeah, I have a friend that had really rough IVF and she said, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore and um, had twins. And then three months into the twins, she got pregnant. So she she had three under two. So it was a lot. She was very grateful, obviously. But it's interesting when you get to a point no matter what the methodology yeah, where you release that resistance. And sometimes you got to do it the hard way. And I think what you're saying is you're offering a way to release it where it might not be as painful. Like there's probably still some pain that comes up yeah. with the trauma and stuff, but it yeah. where you might not have to go through this 
all is lost. I'm never going to have a kid yeah. pain right. as opposed to I'm just going to work from some prior pain that's already happened to me and help release this so I can just kind of relax and open up to the possibilities. Yeah. yeah. You said it's in your womb, like your your trauma centers, like in your, so like in your lower abdomen, you would say like. Yeah. So like right up, like in your pelvic area, right above your, your private. Because when I, because when I get really your mad. Privates. Your private. Yeah. Because when, when I. Your private. You feel it there. I, that's your gut, your rage. Your emotions yes, are when there. I, when mm-hmm. I get really mad, I get a stomach ache. It's like yeah. a pain. And then if it's I'm all really angry, it's the same thing. And my yes. daughter has it when she, she was like, I'm so mad right now with some friend at school. I could just I'm like, what? I got to poo. Yeah. And all your solar plexus are there on your sacral, oh. right in that area. And so it makes sense because we can release emotions that way. There's a couple of things. There's what you're, what you're referring to about the the patterns your daughter now carries the intergenerational patterns, as well as the trauma that we, we are now in the pivot of healing. So we have the hard job, but also the the powerful job of healing that. So we don't carry that on to the next gen, right? Um, I see that happen in basically instantly with clients, as well as even with myself, when I was doing specific healing work, seeing that transference in my own my own household with my my family and I'm like oh that's really like crazy like seeing my mom speak differently or sorry hearing her speak differently about things and doing her own healing work and working through her own traumas I'm like shit I helped that that's great all the babies that are coming into 3D right now like you're saying with with your son he is super conscious right my niece and nephew they just turned one they're so adorable I get to see them later they were they are like super conscious being. So sometimes because they're only one, I, I do my telepathy with them and like get confirmation through, through their mannerisms. So one like Venia, the, the girl, she's like super conscious. She like winked at me and I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like you're hearing what I said. Right. And so they're all very conscious. And the thing is, is that your baby that you've manifested that, you know, exists, that you have this connection with, they know who their parents are, right? They have chosen to go through certain things. And so the reason with this program, let's say the reason I did that is because it's like, what lessons do your children or your child want you to learn before they come into this world? What trauma do they want you to clear? What boundaries do you need to create? What environment do you need to change? And so it's all connected with our womb space because of what we actually hold on to from being a child, right? A lot of our trauma, a lot of our actions are because of how we were treated. And so then we perpetuate that. I call it a copy paste, copy paste of like, you're like growing up to your romantic relationship. So how did your dad treat you? Copy paste. You're going to accept that in karmic scenarios until you unpack what your value of self is, right? And so we harbor that in that area. And so it's natural, even when we're healing, to feel those stomach pains, to have the diarrhea or even constipation, to go through quite literal growing pains like we did when we were a teenager, because all that old energy is coming out. We just feel it a little bit more there or in our heart chakra. And like, even with what we're drinking, like oranges are great for your solar plexus and great for your sacral because of the color of the chakras. And I know one thing Cass and I talked about, it's like people assume that if you're spiritual, you shouldn't drink, but it's just not the case, right? It's like in limitation, of course, it doesn't make me foggy. Right. I already know my limits in, in that. And right. if I go above that, then I I take a detour. Do you believe in um, generational, because I think what you're talking about, like intergenerational trauma is more like 
what in my family we call like generational curses. Like, I don't know if you know mm-hmm. your lineage, but well, I don't mind like very records. Yeah. Before yeah. we get into that, I, I yeah. want to piggyback. Yeah. I wanted to say that there are some people that are very spiritual that say that you cannot drink or have mind altering substances or that you cannot eat animal products. And I have been on my spiritual journey for a while now. And I only disagree with that because I think that we're put in this realm and on this 3D planet to have balance and to be relatable. Because how many times have you seen a spiritual guru and you're like, well, I can't relate to that. I think that I've always envisioned where I'm at spiritually is to to be like one foot in this realm, one foot in the next, Mm -hmm. and to be a bit of a bridge for people in between. Like you can still have happy hour and go on your spiritual journey and want to be connected to your higher self. And I do think that you can eat animal products, but you just need to know that you've got to choose wisely and that you might be taking on that energy briefly of an animal. But if you're eating something that is, you know, raised well and grass fed and organic, which is what, you know, you and I always bring into the kitchen, then it's fine. And it's also, it's, it's like, why are you drinking? Why are you taking mind altering substances? Are you doing it because you don't want to deal with your shit or are you doing it because you want to have the experience of having a food and bev or being with your friends and just kind of celebrating and having a good time? It's not about what you're doing. It's about the why you're doing it. And I think that's anything because you could be sober and be addicted to food or gambling or sex right I, I it's mean, why are you doing it it is not yeah. what are you doing yeah i i i agree with that i do think sometimes when people get very holier than thou with well i don't eat meat no one should eat meat and some and i was taught as a kid you talk about like ideologies and stuff like that anyone who proclaims to be whatever they are to are being usually is having a hard time sustaining that so it's like exactly when, when you have to announce that, you know, I had an unmedicated birth or I am vegan or I don't believe you should drink it. You can't drink and be a good person. It's usually some trauma around that or some because most people who exist just be they don't convince people to be who they are. You know what I mean? So I find it weird when people grandstand about, you know, I don't drink. And if you do, you're bad. I'm like, well, then just do your thing. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. like that's, I mean, even with a, we don't get into politics here, but there's there are times right. with like the abortion debate where I'm like, well, if you don't support abortion, I suggest you don't have one. Yeah, well, yeah. basically, it, right? But you don't yeah. have to do it, right? You know, a lack of empathy in the world, yeah, no exactly. matter what yeah. the scenario is, lack of understanding that, unfortunately, a lot of the time, marginalized groups and or women have to brunt the face of, right? Not saying that women aren't marginalized, but you get what I mean. And an example is. When either Native or Indigenous individuals or Black people had um, these experiments done on them without them knowing, right? Mm-hmm. When it came to syphilis, HIV, et cetera, it's like mm-hmm. this was done without them understanding or having knowledge because of how they were treated. That emotion, that feeling, that trauma gets carried through generations. Of course, the government's not going to teach you that. And so then it's the explaining of why people feel unsafe. And right now, the push with the universe is to help others that are maybe unenlightened or have chosen, let's say, um, before they came here to enlighten themselves or awaken, to become more empathetic to this and to understand that their experience alone is not enough for them to pass judgment or to make a call. And so we are facing kind of this battle between the light and the dark, the dark being the government <laughs> regulation mandates right. the system. Yeah. 
um, versus individuals that are like, we just want to be free, we want to be sovereign. And when you talk about metaphysics earlier, it's we all have the ability to heal ourselves through our energy. I've done that for myself. I've helped some clients with that. It's that is not going to be known because of why the system was created, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, why was big pharma created? Why are we reliant, right? Like on an, an outside level, it's like, last thing they want is for you to know that you can help yourself in that space. Totally. Um, and so it's drink some ginger, drink some ginger, <laughs> drink some ginger, drink some, or yeah. change your <laughs> mindset and you'll be healthy. Right. Like right. you're not going to go and like have commercials like that, where they're just like, Hey, yeah, because they're selling a product. And, they want you to buy the product. Well, and, and, and I think to piggyback on what you just said about energy and trauma. And I know, you know, we're, we don't get political here. We don't talk about too deep stuff, but I think it actually makes sense to connect to this is that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, like, you know, anti-abortion and oh, racism doesn't exist. Or, you know, I know in Canada, you guys had a lot of mandates. I mean, like yeah. a lot of mandates for COVID and all that stuff where, and people were getting enraged and you're like, that rage comes from somewhere. People just didn't wake up one day and was like, what the hell? Yeah. The government's in my body. What the fuck? I mean, that rage comes from being free and having so much time to be like, this is who I am. This is, I'm going to eat this in the morning. I'm gonna go here, do this. And when it gets limited, I think people get like a little like shook. Well, that's another conversation for another time. And we have Uh to wrap it up, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to end this because we did go in quite the deep dive and there's just, we could talk for hours on this hours, but, um, that's not how long our podcast is. So Darn. Uh, if, if people want more information, where do they start? Yeah. So like understanding your design, I, I have a free human design chart or guide, let's say, so you can get that on my Instagram, the .rkh, and that'll break down, like it'll give you the link to get your free chart. And then it'll break down in my guide, how to understand those basic levels. And of course, if you want more, you can get a reading or buy the supplemental guide, etc. There's so many resources online, right? Like with YouTube, even understanding like Abraham Hicks, for example, or Eckhart Tolle and like Joe Dispenza, understanding those individuals through their books or through YouTube and really listening to your responses. I feel like with clients, a lot of the starting point now um, or people that have been, let's say, getting readings have been like, okay, I'm interested in the design portion, right? I can see it on anatomy. I can see what it is. And so that kind of ends up unlocking and activating the sides of yourself that you want to know, right? It also takes the courage to to admit that you want to be on that journey, that you want to unpack those things and being kind to yourself because this processing or the changes is generations of stuff, whether that's intergenerational trauma within your family, whether it's energy you've carried from like four lifetimes that you're now here healing. Like for me on my journey, uh, when I had that catalyst, I was saying I had to meditate on all of my past lives, that was very difficult because I had to clear that karma That's a lot. between the twin and me, right? Lot. Like nine or 10 lifetimes of like feeling this and going through it and re-experiencing similar scenarios. And that's not going to be the case for a majority of people. It's just why I do the work I do because this is this is my last lifetime on earth because I am fulfilling my purpose to the fullest that it ends up becoming frequency, right? Um, but, and People always ask, how do you know? You'll know it's your last lifetime on earth because you will know. <laughs> like <laughs> you will just know, right? And that Shit. you can't control that. But overall, it's it's just allowing 
yourself to have compassion for you and compassion for your inner child, which is major. And if you have a hard time discerning what your higher self is versus your 3D self, speak to yourself how you would want to speak to your younger you. Talk to your inner child the way you would talk to eight-year-old you or 12-year-old you, which would be with compassion, understanding, empathy. You're not going to judge them because they were you. And that ends up becoming easier, right? And building that connection with your higher self because your higher self is not going to talk down to you, is not going to judge you, is not going to call you names. At times, for sure, your guides and your higher self will put you in check. It happens. A little tough love. A little tough love, right? Yeah, it happens, right? I've had many times where I know it's not my ego because I'm hearing something I don't want to hear. They're telling me to create a boundary that I'm uncomfortable with. They're telling me to make a decision of quitting law. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, my ego is like, no, don't do this, right? All that school. Yeah. And so it's like, it's building those connections, right? And understanding that your inner child lives within you. A lot of your trauma, a lot of your experiences are based on the healing you've done. And so bringing the, your inner child along with you on your journey, that is the most important thing you can do. Having them included in decisions, because even though we've grown up, the anxiety response is still there. So if they feel like they're put in these unsafe situations or uncertainty, you're going to have that kind of manifest in your in your experience. And so, you know, starting to build that connection and understanding, I think, is is a great starting point to making those aligned decisions. It's like, what was I not okay with then? And how am I copying and pasting that in my adult life? And how is making that difficult decision to change that actually going to help the next gen? And so I always say, if you're not going to do it for you, do it for your kids or do it for your nieces or nephews, do it for your grandkids. Clear that karma so you're not taking it with you. I remember reading that your eggs were formed when you were four-month fetus in the womb. Mm -hmm. So that means that you were technically in your grandmother's womb. It's it's seven generations. Yeah. So that's just on the physical front. That's if you're skeptical, I don't know about all this energy stuff. You can look up that you were actually, your cells were developed when you were in your grandmother's womb. So some of that DNA, some of that. All that energy. is just being Scroll way back on my feed. I'll have a post on that as well as on my podcast, which is under the same handle, the RKH episode two how healing yourself heals your family or intergenerational trauma it'll explain the links of like how that womb space works like you're Mm -hmm. saying and how that ends up subsequently healing so it's like we can easily externally look at like how does this help them even though we help ourselves and and then we start to see oh this feels good yeah i feel better and then we are able to bring that energy a little less little lighter yeah. exactly. just like a shot of tequila well yeah. cheers <laughs> maybe cheers. not just like a shot of tequila remember uh, thank uh, you not for just. joining us thank yes, you so much talks. follow us like us also check out reminders page v.rkh and she's got way more i feel like we only got to the tip of the iceberg yeah. on the human design <laughs> readings and all the energy because you know we like to keep it under an hour yes. light like a lovely skinny margarita cassandra mm-hmm. Ginaval, sherry on gonzalez thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.